Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Ocean View. Thanks so much for being with us today. I want to jump right in here with a quote from a movie that is one of my favorite movies. I'm going to admit that to you all because we're friends. Whatever else anything is, it ought to begin by being personal. That's Kathleen Kelly from You've Got Mail. Anybody ever seen that movie? Some of you, all the, all the ladies are like, yes, I've seen that movie. And all the guys are like, no. Fellas. Let me just give you a little, just watch it. And it's a perfect movie to watch in the fall, okay? It's just, I don't know why. It's just something about uh, sharpened pencils and all that, okay? So here's the thing. Um, This movie came out in like the mid-90s. It's almost 25 years old already. And it's about two people who make a lot of assumptions about each other. This is when the internet is just starting out. And in life, they're making a lot of assumptions about each other. But then online, they are kind of connecting in a different way. And the more that they get to know each other personally, the more they find out they are actually in love with one another. And it's just amazing and it's wonderful. But they have to break through all these assumptions that they have with one another. Now, fast forward 25 years into the world that we live in, this climate that we live in, where we're not stuck to a computer for dial-up, we actually carry every contact that we have ever had in our life at any moment in our pocket all the time, right? And we're finding ourselves in a world where we live socially on a digital platform with Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, and we are trying to get likes and follows and swipes and streaks and all the things, right? Some of you are like, what is a swipe and a streak? You need to talk to some young people, okay? Hang out with young people. It'll be fun. And you get, we're doing all of this and we're trying to just accumulate and we're having connections with more people and we find ourselves in this age reaching for relationships, trying to become more connected. And yet, here's what happens. And we know this statistically, that the more connected we seem to be becoming on the surface, the more shallow we actually are becoming. And the more that our suicide rates in our young people are skyrocketing and they're getting younger. And the more outrage we tend to have, the more upset we tend to be about things that we don't even take the time to fully understand. We have headlines marketed to us and we are making an assumption and we will make judgments based on what somebody says, a little quote. We're taking things and we go and immediately become tense about it. We immediately become stressed about it. We immediately assume a position in our corner and we assume things about other people. We gossip about people that we have never met because it's out there and it's public and therefore we have the right to talk about it. We slander people that we have never actually had a conversation with and we assume so much about them. Now that's on a pretty grand scale of things, but we started this conversation because we understand something and we started looking at it last week that if we are going to move in our relationships with one another, if we're going to move in our relationship with Jesus, if we're going to move in our relationship with God, then something has to change because there are people in our country in our city, in your neighborhood, in your school that you work with, there are people that are longing for relationship. And we make this idea sometimes about something else. I want to share this with you. This is um, something that I saw, and this is not the first time that I have seen this, but I saw this posted this week and it made me think about this. 
this idea of, um, well, let me just show it to you. Here's the quote. There is no hate quite like Christian love. Some of you see this, right? Maybe you've seen this before. Now, my, I have a friend who posted this, and I say friend in the sense that we are acquaintances on Facebook, right? And he posted this, and I just stared at it for a moment. And I have seen this before, and maybe you've seen something like this, or maybe you've seen this floating around. And here's the thing. In this moment, we can make a lot of assumptions about the person who wrote this. Now, he is not the one who wrote it. He was kind of reposting this quote. This actually originated somewhere else. But we can make a lot of assumptions about the person, right? We can assume that this person probably is not a follower of Jesus. We can assume that this person doesn't understand what we understand and experience every single week. But here's the truth about the person who posted this this week, is that he went to the same Christian college that I do. He went to the same worship experiences that I did. So what happened in his world? I'm only going to know if I start getting personal. Because in this world of being completely disconnected and disjointed from one another that we experience on a, on a daily basis, we come to this place on Sundays, and we come into this building together, and here's the thing. Do we look much different than that? Or do we just put on our Sunday best and spend our Sunday morning hours doing something different? Or are we actually different? Because when I read a quote like this, I have to tell you, my heart breaks. Do you know why? Because I know what Jesus has called the church to be. I know that what he has called you and I to be, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, is to be light in darkness, to be the salt of the earth. And I get it. I get that the only, the only time that maybe someone in darkness would perceive love as hate is if they themselves are in the darkness, right? I get that. But also true is if the salt has become tasteless, if the light is hidden, then statements like that are going to continue. So how do we change it? How do we take our relationships with one another, our relationship with God, our relationship to those who are not followers of Jesus and move from being shallow and disjointed and moving from being in our little corner and actually stepping out and putting ourselves out there. How do we do that? We move from being shallow, not to being deep. The opposite of shallow is not deep. The opposite of shallow is personal. That's how we do it. And we started this conversation last week, and I'm just going to kind of recap pretty quick. If you missed last week, I just want to kind of emphasize that what we're experiencing this morning is a part of a much broader conversation that we're having this month. And so if you missed last week, go online and see that first talk that Terry unpacked for us last week. And we're going to continue this conversation this week, next week, and the rest will stick with us through the rest of the series because you're kind of going to get a little piece of it each week. But last week we said, all right, how do we start moving in our relationships from being shallow to being personal. How do we start making that transition? And I just want to pause for a moment. If you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus, if this is all new to you and you're just kind of figuring it out, I want to tell you that I think that even in the context that I'm speaking in you right now, God has given you something that knows inherently that you were designed for something more than just shallow relationships. You were designed to move into something much more personal than that. So if you stick with us, I think you'll see that as we walk along through this. The first question that we looked at last week was something very basic that we all are asking of ourselves, that every person is asking that has ever been creative. Do you know my name? And we said that this was a really important basic question. 
And as a church, hopefully this week, you were invited to kind of start learning somebody else's name. Maybe somebody that you've talked to many times. The person at the checkout, that's the line you always go to. Or the coffee shop that you always go to. And you see these people in work or wherever. Do you know my name? Because everybody is asking that question. Because something changes when you learn someone's name. And you start saying it often. And you say it out loud. And you say it correctly. Because we have a lot of weird spellings of names these days, don't we? If you're a teacher, you feel that. You feel it from my son. My son's name is Graham. It's very easy to say. But it's spelled oddly. It's spelled G-R-A-E-M-E. You're like, what? Exactly. It's a Scottish kind of thing. I'm not Scottish, but we like it. Okay. Anyway, we were at the doctor's office once, and the nurse comes out to call him back. And she goes, um, we will now see Grayame. And you're like... It's Graham. Like, oh. But there's something special about when we say someone's name correctly because it shows something more. It actually answers a few other questions that we kind of have. Like, do you notice me? Because we all want to be noticed. And people, kids, students, people in your neighborhood, they want to know that you notice them. Do you like being around me? Because if I like being around you, chances are I'm going to know your name, right? Or we do the, hey, you And then the last question that that answers is, do you recognize my uniqueness? If you're a parent of twins, you know that this is important. I had a friend who had twins, and they were not identical, but I really struggled to tell them apart. And so I had to really focus and learn their names. It took me a long time. But you understand the importance of knowing someone's name because it proves that someone is worth remembering, that they have value, that they're made in the image of God, and therefore they have the potential to know God. And so if we're going to pray for people, if we're going to build relationships with one another, it's got to start in the most basic sense that we know someone's name, that we recognize their individuality. And we started by looking at this one moment in history where Jesus puts on full display his amazing ability to be completely human and completely God at the same time. And we're going to look at this moment today, and it's while he's walking on the road, and it's about a chief tax collector who had a name, and it was a chief tax collector who was so important to Jesus that we actually know his name. Jesus did a lot with a lot of people, and we don't always get their name, but this guy, we did. His name was Zacchaeus. Go ahead and say his name, Zacchaeus. See, you feel like you already know this guy a lot better, don't you? Zacchaeus, just by saying his name. So we're going to jump back into that and go a little further today as we move from being shallow to personal. Here we go. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named, what? See, you know this guy. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And I just want to point something out that I love that this is listed out in this way. Because a lot of times we define people by what they do and not who they are. And we get his name before we get his job. I like that. And he had become very rich. And we talked last week about how he had done that by robbing people, basically. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. And that's interesting. This was a guy who was very forward-thinking. He knew his way around people, right? For Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. What did he call him? Zacchaeus. He didn't say chief tax collector. He said Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest 
in your house today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. I want you to remember that. That's very important. But the people were displeased. Everyone else was a little grumpy about this. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. I don't know why they sound like pirates in my head. They just do. So... Here's the setup, right? Jesus is on the scene and he is walking through this town and he has his entourage, right? He has his following. He has his crowd. And it's like hashtag Jesus moments are happening all over the place. He's healing people, right? He is bringing people to know God in a completely different way. He's challenging authority just by his presence. This is an amazing time to be Jesus, And he is surrounded by people. And if anybody, if anybody is too busy to stop and pause in their life, it is Jesus. But Jesus, in this moment, he pauses and he looks up. That's an incredible thing. We're going to pause there and just think about that. In everything that's going on in his world, he was really busy. Remember, it said he's passing through the town. This is not his final destination, but he pauses And he looks up. Now, something changes in this moment. Jesus notices Zacchaeus. And everyone else notices too. They don't notice Zacchaeus really. But they notice that Jesus notices Zacchaeus. Who are you pausing for in your life? Are we pausing for people? I mean, this is Jesus, right? He could have said, I don't have time right now. I'm too busy. I'm on my way. I just need to pay for this. I just need to get that. I'm just kind of going through my routine. But Jesus says something different. He pauses and he looks up. And the creator of all time takes the time to pause. There are people in your life that you just need to pause for. And take the time to look up. When you look up, who do you see? You might see your three-year-old, like I saw mine this week, who just wanted to spend time with with her daddy playing the same game over and over again. Hiding a strawberry and finding the strawberry. We're going to play that for an hour. Okay, great. We just need to pause. We need to look up. Maybe you're you're a kid from school, and they're just trying to tell you about their day, and you just need to pause, and you need to look into them for a moment. Maybe it's your middle schooler who's actually facing a lot of isolation right now because everything's new and changing and different and you just need to pause. Maybe it's a high school student who is at the end of their high school years and they're about to make complete life changes and they're not sure that the career that you think they should have is the one that they should have and they have all these questions about it and you just need to pause and you need to look at them. Maybe it's your neighbor who's fighting addiction. Maybe it's a coworker who is telling you about their depression issues or their divorce issues or their vacation again and again and again. I don't know what it is or who it is for you, but in this moment, I'm just going to ask you if you're a follower of Jesus to pause and look up because something changes When we do that, Jesus noticed Zacchaeus and everyone else noticed too. Everyone else on the street that day had their assumptions about Zacchaeus. They had their assumptions that he was only interested in money. He's only interested in power. He's only interested in himself. He doesn't care about tradition. He doesn't care about his own people. He doesn't care about his heritage. Zacchaeus is just a chief tax collector and he is only about himself. But Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he notices something different. Zacchaeus is in a tree. Do you know what Jesus notices? Jesus notices someone who has a different interest than everyone else assumes. 
The next question that you and I need to answer if we're going to move our relationships from being shallow to being personal is not just do you know my name, but do you know what matters to me? And something mattered to Zacchaeus that day in that crowd. And no one else really got to see what it was except Jesus. You know what mattered to Zacchaeus in this moment? It wasn't money. It wasn't power. What Zacchaeus cared about most was Jesus. And nobody else saw it. Because they had their assumptions built in. No one else bothered to look up. No one else thought that Zacchaeus, of all people, could be interested in Jesus. But Jesus knew. Because he saw Zacchaeus for who he was. And he knew what mattered to him in that moment. It was Jesus. This is a guy who fought over and across the crowd. This is a guy who took the time to climb up into a tree just to get a sight of him, just to understand for a moment, maybe Jesus might be interested in me, even though I'm just interested in money, because I just want to see him. Do you know what matters to people? This is a big deal because our interests are tied to who we are a little bit, aren't we? See, learning a name proves that someone is worth remembering, right? If I know your name, then I've decided I am, I am demonstrating to you that you have value, that you as a person are worth remembering, but discovering someone's interests proves they are worth liking. And we have a hard time doing that sometimes and being interested in what other people are actually interested in because we as a people are actually more interested in the people who are, have the same interests as us, don't we? It's easy for me to get along with someone who has the same interests as me, but it's a little more difficult, requires a little more effort, requires a little more risk, as we talked about last week, to be intentional in the mission that Jesus has given us to take an interest into other people's lives and their interests. And we see this on display at no better time than Christmas or birthdays. Because you ever get that gift and you're like, why did I get this? I am not interested in this at all, right? This happened to me. Uh, growing up, if you know me at all, I am not a sports person. I don't play sports, but more than that, I know lots of people who don't play sports, but they at least watch them. I don't do that either. Like, even the commercials are not appealing to me at the Super Bowl. I don't care, all right? But growing up, my parents tried really hard to impress upon me the sports life, okay? Not only did they sign me up to play things that I was not good at, they also bought me stuff uh, to support teams that I didn't care for, okay? So, like, Uh, My grandmother, bless her, she bought me a sweatshirt for the Carolina Panthers football team when I was in sixth grade. Now, that's great, right? Like, that's amazing. I lived in Raleigh at the time. Carolina Panthers were becoming a thing, and it was like, here you go, there's a sweatshirt. Support football. And you know what? I wore that maybe twice, just on really, really cold days. I had no interest in that gift whatsoever. And sometimes as parents or as people, we try to impose our interests on someone else. And we see this all the time, right? Somebody asks a question, they're not really interested in your answer. They just want the opportunity for them to tell you what they think, right? You guys probably have never experienced that. But that's what happens. We like like for people to like what we like. So it requires a different kind of mindset to take an actual interest in what somebody else does. I remember moments more than my, my favorite moments growing up or when my parents took an interest in what I could. They had no care for it whatsoever, but they took the time to be interested in what I was interested in. I remember moments of my parents taking me to the Smithsonian, not necessarily to see the Apollo things and all the spaceship stuff and all that. There was a Star Wars exhibit that displayed movie props 
And they took me to see that. My parents did not care for that, but they took an interest in what I was interested in. And you know what that showed? Is that I mattered. Not only were they interested in me, but that I mattered to them. There are people in our world that we are called to know their name, to know what matters to them. Because underneath that question, there's actually a few other questions. Underneath that question, we're actually answering, do you know what I enjoy doing? Do you know what makes me laugh? Do you know what I'm afraid of? These are questions that we all have. And if we can answer those for someone, it makes us move from being shallow to being very personal in their life. Jesus in this moment is interested in Zacchaeus and what Zacchaeus is interested in. And he's not making the assumptions that everyone else is making about that person. He knows more than anyone else that Zacchaeus is actually interested in him, in a relationship with Jesus. And everyone else missed it because they were too caught up in their assumptions, in their disagreements, pointing fingers instead of looking into the eyes of someone that God made So how do we do that? Here's some really practical things. One, pay attention to clues. When you're in conversation with somebody, they might lend something that is interesting, right? Another thing you can do is, (laughs) I feel like we're just having conversational therapy here. Like, this is how you make friends, guys. Here's the other thing, and we're just not good at it. Ask clarifying questions. I love going to lunch with Terry. You know why? Because almost every time he puts this on display, like he models this in a way that I'm always like, how does he get people to talk to him? Because he just, he'll have a waiter or somebody will come by and he'll say, so what, what are you interested in? Like, what are your dreams? Like, what do you want to do with your life? Which in some ways you might be insulted by that. You're like, I'm a waiter. Like, this is my job. But always there is an answer of, well, I'm doing this because I have kids. I'm doing this because I'm studying. I'm doing this. And we find out so much more about how we can not just know their name, but we know how to pray for them. We know what's interesting to them. We can follow up with them the next time we go. The next thing you need to do, and this one requires a little bit of of patience. This requires a different mindset to consider their perspective. It's easy for us to sit down with people that have the same perspective of us. But when did we last look up at someone in a tree who maybe has a different mindset than us? And not to make them think the way we do, but just to listen to them. Just to understand where they are coming from. When you pause to show interest, it has the potential to give hope. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. That's what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. He's giving Zacchaeus hope. Someone who is completely isolated from his group because of what he has done. Isolated because of the assumptions that people have made. They have read the headlines about him, but none of them have ever sat down to talk with him. None of them have said, what matters to you? Except Jesus in this moment. And Zacchaeus has hope that maybe he's worth something. Maybe there's potential for God to love him. And that's what you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to do. Give people hope. And we can't do that if we don't know their name. And we can't do that if we just want them to think the same way that we do. We have to take an interest in who other people are. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. The third question, besides just your name and what matters to them, and this is really the one that goes beneath the surface. If you imagine an iceberg, those first two questions are pretty easy. We can kind of get a name. We can strike up a conversation with people. We can understand what matters to someone. We can try to break ourselves out of this corner. But this third one requires something 
different. This third one requires us to have a really missional mindset, believing in what Jesus did as our mode, our mission to be the light, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's this, do you know where I live? Well, I'm not going to somebody's house. I don't know where they live. Well, do you know where they live? Have you ever been to somebody's house for the first time? You know what you, know what you do, right? You snoop, don't you? Yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. And you're looking in the cabinet. Something changes when you go into somebody's house. Look at what Jesus did. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today, today. Like, come down now. We're going there now. Zacchaeus did not have time to clean up. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house. How? In great excitement and joy. That's how we know that Zacchaeus was interested in Jesus. That's how we know that Zacchaeus was, like, the only thing that mattered was him connecting with Jesus. He was excited to bring Jesus there. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And they started grumbling. When you go into somebody's house, something changes. You get to see how they decorate, don't you? You kind of figure out, oh, they like that color? That's an interesting choice, right? You figure out, like open their pantry and you'll see what their diet is like. You'll see what's there. Like you'll learn a lot. Maybe they're really organized or maybe they're hoarders. I don't know. Maybe they're like me. Like I'm relegated to a little closet and it's just a mess in there all the time. Like that's me, okay? Everywhere else is clean. You learn a lot about my family. You learn a lot about my history. You learn a lot about what I care about because something changes when you know where someone lives. And we do this with people all the time. We make assumptions based on where people live because they live in that neighborhood. They must make that much money or they live in that neighborhood. I'm not going there. That's all crime. We make assumptions based on where people live. We look at who they live with. We look at where they go to school. We look at where they're connected are socially, digitally, where they live, culturally. Who are the relationships that they have? When we enter someone's home and we see where they live, we get a context for their everyday world. And it becomes much more personal, doesn't it? When we understand their morning commute a little bit differently. So how do we move that way? Because that's a question. Do you know where I live? What we're really answering in that moment is, do you understand my everyday world? Do you understand what shapes my perspective? Because people have different perspectives than you, don't they? Do you ever wonder how they have those perspectives? You just got to ask, got to enter into their world and understand. This applies to us in our present day and age, politically, racially, economically, whatever it might be. We have to pause long enough and understand where someone lives and try to put ourselves in their shoes and really, really stay there. Do you understand why I do what I do? You ever find yourself asking this question when somebody does something, maybe in the news, maybe somebody you know personally, and you find yourself saying, well, I just can't understand why they did that. I can't understand why she would go to that place. I can't understand why he is with her. I can't understand. Have you ever said that? Sure you have. We all have. And what we're saying in that moment is that I don't understand their perspective. That's an indictment on yourself, that you have a limited knowledge of someone. Jesus did something in this moment. He modeled something for you and I that I don't want us to miss. It's called empathy. 
Do you know the difference between the people on the outside of Zacchaeus' house and Jesus on the inside in this moment? Everyone else on the outside had their assumptions about Zacchaeus. But Jesus was the only one who took the step of empathy to pause long enough to enter into Zacchaeus' home. And that's what empathy is, really. Empathy is simply pausing your own interests, your own opinions long enough to discover someone else's interests and opinions. To get out of your corner where you're right, where your way of thinking is best, and to enter into someone else's to pause and consider the fact, all right, let me just listen to them. I want to understand you better. If I can understand you better, then that brings bigger context to what we're doing here. If we're going to be light in this world... We have to take the moment to pause. We can't move to our outrage, to our assumptions. We can't be mad about this and that and everything that we could possibly be mad. We have to be different. And we have to step into the house. Stop grumbling on the outside. Paul wrote this in Philippians to us. He said, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Would you agree that there is? If you're a follower of Jesus, you would say yes. Is there any comfort from his love? If you're a follower of Jesus, you would say yes. Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. What's the one mind and purpose? To what? Help people follow Jesus, to be light, to be the people of God that are going to bring people to know God. Don't be selfish. Everybody else in the world is selfish. You're supposed to be different. Don't try to impress others. Everybody else in the world, in that crowd, they're trying to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. But you don't know. It doesn't matter. Jesus, in this moment, as he's looking up at Zacchaeus, do you think he modeled that? Do you think, Zacchaeus, you know what? I'm going to enter into your house I'm going to consider you to be better than everybody else says that you are. He's the only one that did this. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Do you? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Jesus, of anyone, was the one who humbled himself and he empathized with you and me. And he said, I'm going to enter into their world. I want to see what life is like for them. And then I'm going to rescue them back to myself. And he leaves us, you and I, with this same mission. He humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on a cross. He did that for you and me because he was empathizing with us. He paused long enough to look at each and every single one of us up in a tree and say, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to enter into your world. I'm going to rescue you. Who do we need to look up for this week? Whose name do you know that you've been in prayer for? Maybe there's somebody that you've made an assumption about and you need to start looking up. You need to start pausing and glancing. You need to enter into their world. You need to see where they live. Because knowing their name shows that they are worth remembering, right? Knowing that they, what interests them, what matters to them, that shows that they're worth liking. But seeing where someone lives gives a person hope 
that they are worth knowing. You and I are supposed to give hope to people, life to people. When I was in Kenya two years ago, we entered into people's homes that society had cast out, people who had AIDS that were dying, and they hadn't had guests in their home for years because of the stigma attached. And if you could see the joy that happened when we entered into their little house, and by house, I mean just a slab of dirt or concrete with a tin thing over it. That's it. We're so excited because we got to see something in their everyday world. We could see their context. You understand there's a whole world of people outside these walls that longs to have a deeper relationship, that longs to get personal with the people of God. And we are stuck in our assumptions about what we think that matters to them. And we need to pause all of that and we need to look and see that they are made in the image of God and that maybe God wants to know them. And we need to enter into their world. Sometimes we're very scared to do that as Christians for whatever reason because we think we're validating their opinions. We think that we're coming alongside whatever it might be. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with your heart, humbling yourself. I pray that we would do that. pray that we would be the light that he's called us to be this week. Will you pray with me? God, you are amazing, God. You have entered into our world. You have given us hope. You've given us life. God, help us not to hide that. Help us not to become tasteless. Help us to take this message to everyone. That we would just start treating people as people. That they are worth something. That they are valued. To stop assuming, to stop hanging out in our corner, thinking we're right all the time, but to really enter into their world, God. Would you help us to know their name? Would you help us to be in prayer? Would you help us to listen? Would you help us to sit down with them and stop just pointing fingers, but to really try to understand one another? God, our world needs that. Our neighborhoods need that. Our schools need that more than ever before. In a world of being disconnected, we need to reconnect on what matters to you that you created us to know you. God, help us to do that this week. Help us to be the followers you've called us to be. To not be content to stay shallow, but to strive to be personal. God, help us. We long to be the light you've called us to be. We long to be your hands and feet. God, reveal to us people this week. Don't let us pass them by. Don't let us say that we don't have the time. Help us to pause and look up and see the people in the trees that are interested in you. Let us see them the way you see them. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.